We're going to stand for the reading of God's Word. Today's passage of Scripture comes from Luke chapter 6, verses 37 through 48. Luke and Angie's going to come up and read for us. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. So just to let you know, Steve and the Phillips family, they've been with us uh, as gospel partners for about eight years. And boy, what a journey it has been together. What, what a blessed time due to uh, um, their love for Christ, um, our joining together uh, in, in mission, in fellowship, a number of high school and college students have gone, and uh, even some of you, some of those who have led as mentors have been a part of English camps in Vilasar and Villafranca, and what a blessing. And it's been such a privilege and joy to walk together, both in times of plenty and in times of want. And so uh, with that said, Steve's going to come up and deliver us God's word for us. Well, it's a joy to be here uh, with you this morning. Um, it, for us, it really feels like uh, coming home, even though we've never been uh, part of this church in, a, in an extended way here in uh, in Northern California. But it just because of the connection, because of the English camps, and 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 also the the, the trips that maybe Sam will will make. Um, he, he always makes a point of even if he's on route, he, to stopping in Barcelona to see us. And so it's a, a joy to be back here, and it's, it's just so much fun, too, to be around you all. Um, you have a tremendous amount of joy, and we get, we're, we're, we're refreshed every time we come. I want to tell you one story before I start my, my message. I don't think Grace is here. So, oh, she is. I'll, I'll, I'll cast it in a better light then. <laughs> So, so like as Pastor Sam said, providentially, um, he was in town shortly after our daughter went through the, the, the tragic accident, and obviously a difficult time, a time when, when more than counsel and more than a perfect you know, word of comfort, you want people's presence. You want people to be with you, you know, and so, and so, and, but it was, but it was COVID. It, it was just like this perfect storm. And so we were there. No one could really help us. But it's, you know, Spain's a Catholic country. And, and the, the, the children's hospital where, where Naimi was taken, we're so glad she was taken there. Was sort of a, it was sort of a religious order of sorts. And so when Sam came, we said, hey, um, there's a priest. Uh, and he wants to come in. And, and, and you know, and, and they, they understood that. They had categories for that. And 
We said, but he's married. <laughs> and so that, that threw them. And then we're like, okay, Grace, Grace. And Grace said, Grace was determined. She was going to go in. She said, personal assistant to the priest, you know, something <laughs> like that. And she, and so all three of them, I think, that, I think all three of them got in and, and they were able to pray for Naime, you know, in person. And it was such a blessing. And God heard and is hearing those prayers. And um, it's just such a joy. It's so amazing to see the progress. And uh, so now transitioning to the the message this morning, it's really unrelated to what Naime shared. I I thought about doing something a little bit more related, but um, I've brought a message uh, that is just kind of according to a, a lectionary. And so it's, it's, it's good because it obligates the, the messenger to, to not skip over the difficult texts. And that's a good exercise for us because God always knows what we need. And as I, I shared in the first, uh, first service, you know, I don't bring this message about judging um, because I feel like I have overcome this in my life. And so now as one who lives in complete victory, I'm going to tell you guys how to get your act together because that's not the case. Uh, I fall into uh, what Jesus forbids here, judge, judging. And I, I even judge the members of my family, the members of my church. But the word of God is life-giving. The word of God is empowering. It's life-transforming. And so I bring this uh, as much to myself as for you in the hope that God will use his holy word to bring us into the fullness of our redeemed humanity, which is exactly why Jesus sought us out. Now, um, by way of introduction, I read a book uh, a number of years ago by Stephen Covey, The Seven, High, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And somewhere in his book, Stephen uh, gives this example uh, that's, that's, that's helpful for understanding, I think, the words of Jesus. He talks about being on like a, a train or a metro, maybe in New York, I can't remember. And he's, he's seated and he, he observes this father that's seated, kind of with his head down, complete passivity on his part. And he observes how the, the, this father has several children and they're just going bonkers. They're just, they're just making a lot of noise uncontrollable. And Stephen Covey's just sitting and he's observing this father and he's thinking, okay, when is he going to stand up? When is he going to take charge? When is he going to do something? But he doesn't. And finally, Stephen uh, Covey strikes up a conversation with him and this man says, I'm coming from my wife's funeral and I have these three boys and I don't know how I'm going to do life. You know, complete paradigm shift. You know, and, and, and that's what happens to us so many times when we judge. We see in part, but we don't see fully. And that's, that's why Jesus says, do not judge. It's not ours to do. And, and so I want to talk about that a little bit. And I, I want to I talk about what it means, what, what exactly Jesus is forbidding in this passage when he says, do not judge. I want to talk about why we're so judgmental, at least myself. Um, and then thirdly, I want to talk about how we can 
gain the power to break judgmentalism in our lives and just live in the fullness of this, this new life that Jesus came to give us, okay? So firstly, what does it mean to judge? This perhaps is one of the most uh, quoted of all of Jesus's commands in the Gospels, and, and oftentimes it's quoted by people who are actually not followers of Christ, and, and they use it sort of as, as, as something, uh, somewhat of a weapon against Christians when they say, Jesus said, do not judge. Does it mean that we can't discern truth from error? Does it mean that there's, there's no sort of uh, human actions that we can call wrong or sinful? Is that what Jesus means when he says, do not judge? Well, let me ask you a, a different kind of question to help us think through this. And single gals in the church or married women thinking back about what it was like to be sing- single. Imagine a young man comes up to you at college or, or in some context, and he's just Mr. Wrong, right? He's uh, just red flags all over the guy. Just you, you know that this is not the guy you want to be with. And he comes up and he asks you out on a date. And you decline, you know, uh, kindly, but you firmly decline his, his offer. And, but then he, then he comes back to you and he says, well, wait a minute. Jesus says, do not judge. And, and I think you're kind of judging me. <laughs> like, you know, are you going to change your mind on your refusal? Uh, probably not, right? So, so we understand at some level that this, this imperative do not judge has to be nuanced, right? It has to be interpreted. Well, well in, the, in the parallel uh, context in Matthew chapter 7, where the same discourse is picked, picked up, Matthew includes the words of Christ afterwards where he says, do not cast your pearls before swine, right? And so we understand that at some level that, in, that involves evaluation. That involves some, some sort of, of process by which we determine whether this person really is ready to hear what we have to tell her, to tell him. So it's not categorical evaluation that Jesus is here forbidding. What is then he forbidding. He's forbidding in the context, harsh, self-righteous, hypocritical judging, right? But defining it doesn't let us off the hook because we still, if we're honest, we still fall into it all the time. I think two things in the context help us here. Jesus, after the words, do not judge, adds the words, do not condemn, and in the Greek, this is, do not render judgment. Do not place yourself in the judgment seat as a judge to say you are guilty because it's not ours to do. And then in verses 41 to 42, he says, he warns us against finding fault in others where we're not engaged in doing the same thing in our own lives. What does it mean to judge? Eugene Peterson translates it this way. Don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Be easy on people, you'll find life a lot easier. So that's what it means to judge. Now, why do we do it? Why? Why are we so judgmental? Or is it just me? Why why do we judge as often as we do? Why do we have this endless song and dance going on in our minds every time we we meet a new person? Why are we always sizing one another up? 
right? We, we do it all the time. If we're honest, okay? Yeah, he's a little better looking than I am, but I bet I have a better job. This is endless song and dance that we go through in our minds. Now, I, I was raised, I'm the oldest of seven children, okay? Uh, six of us are boys, and we were so competitive. Like everything turned into everything turned into a competition. My my children aren't like this, of course, but um, we were. And I, I don't I don't. And I was the oldest, and so I hated to lose. And the funny thing, I, I was good at soccer, okay, uh, or, or football, uh, right? Because you actually use your foot, right? <laughs> Unlike what you all call the same name. Uh, but anyway, that's another topic. Sebastian will sort you out after the service. So I was good at soccer and a few other sports, tennis, but I was not good at basketball, right? And, and I had some brothers that were really, really good at basketball, but when we, we, when we play a three-on-three three or, or a two-on-two, two, I would rise to the occasion, and all of a sudden, you know, I would become like LeBron James on the court. Why? Because I hated to lose. And I think we bring this, whether it's through sports or whether, whether it's through education, whether it's through, you know, making a uh, good earning, whatever it is, we, we have this sort of competitive nature and we size one another up. We size one another up. Now, C.S. Lewis makes a really good point in his book, Mere Christianity, about this topic of judging. And he says that only God can judge because only God knows all things. So Jesus forbids judging because we are too limited and we don't just judge justly. C.S. Lewis goes on to say in his book, and I, I found this really helpful, that we actually don't know, that person out there that we're tempted to judge, whoever he or she may be, actually may be doing a better job at living life than we would have had we been born in his or her shoes, in his or her cultural or family background, adverse circumstances, mental health. That's a powerful statement. That person out there that you and I are tempted to judge actually could be doing a better job at living life than you or I would have had we been born in the same circumstances. That's a sobering thing to think about. Why do we judge? Because we're looking for ultimate validation. We're looking to be seen. We're looking to be known and fully accepted and loved and cherished, delighted in. But I'm here to say that sizing other people up is not the way to, to, to receive that ultimate validation. Constantly judging others so that you feel good about yourself is not the path to, feeling, to, to receiving that ultimate validation that every human being needs. Thirdly, how can we change? We have to see Jesus. The gospel is the power to change. Seeing Jesus and seeing what he did for us on the cross gives us the power to break out of this endless song and dance. And I'll tell you why. Jesus was more than just a good moral teacher. He was not just man. He was also God. Uh, Isaiah chapter 7 uh, foretells the coming Messiah in terms of Jesus being the Emmanuel, being God in human flesh. And here's what that means for our topic. It means that he was, as God in the flesh, 
he was the only human being fully qualified to judge. But when he came to earth, that's the one thing he did not do. John chapter 3, verse 17 says, God sent his only son into the world, not so that, not so that the world would be judged through him, but saved through him. So the only, only one qualified to judge refuses to judge, and he comes to justify, set free, to pardon. And so this is, this is, so, this is so important. Secondly, I, wanna, I want you to think about Jesus on the cross, his words on the cross, where he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those, those words that, that, were, that are so familiar to us, what they actually mean is this, that Jesus on the cross places himself in the outer reaches of God-forsakenness. He places himself under divine judgment in your place so that instead of ju- judgment, you can receive justification. So that instead of condemnation, you can receive pardon, validation, be fully seen, fully known, and yet fully accepted and fully loved. You see, this is the power, this is the motor, this is the engine ignited by the Holy Spirit that that can give you and me the power to stop this song and dance, this this endless sizing of people up and just accept your neighbor as your neighbor. Before concluding, I, I... I, I want to confess that I, I do this all the time. I do this all the time. I can be shop. I can be shopping right in a grocery store, and I, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm looking at what this this woman ahead of me is putting in her shopping cart. You know, and I'm thinking, this is child abuse. Look at look at all the look at all the sugary products this woman's putting in her. Shopping cart, you know, doesn't she know anything about parenting? What's going on here, you know? But what do I know, right? Maybe she's shopping for a birthday party. Are you going to put whole wheat out for a birthday party? (laughs) Something closer to home. This happened this very week, right? I I, I see that you have a lot of homeless people around uh, in San Francisco. We do in Barcelona as well, probably not as many. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Be honest. Right? First thing that comes to my mind? They're on drugs. And so this very week, uh, you know, a few days before coming and standing before you, I, I went out one night and in a pitch black area, I hear this voice that says to me, can I use your phone? And I was, I was startled. Um, we had seen this young man earlier in the day, actually. And, and I said, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm not going to give this drug addict my phone. You know? and so I, I just head down the sidewalk on my, listen to my audio book and getting some exercise in, uh, you know, pre- 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 preparing for the arduous hike that, Pastor Sam was going to put us on, you know. But I got about 100 meters down the road, and I thought, wait a minute, you're preaching 
the Sunday <laughs> on the words do not judge, right? How does that work? And so I got convicted by the Holy Spirit, and I, I came back and I said, um, yeah, why would you like to use my phone? And he said, I need my dad to come and pick me up. I haven't, I've been estranged from my family for a month. And, and so I, you know, I put the phone up to his, his ear and he called his, his dad and his dad had like an hour and a half, uh, journey to come and pick him up. And his dad had me, uh, his dad wanted to talk to me, and so we talked. He said, thank you so much. We haven't seen my son in 30 days. We, we didn't know where he was, and so I, I took him with actually Naime, and we got some food, and I got to share the gospel with him. And I'll be honest, I think it's a mental health issue, but I had judged him, and I got to open up. I stole the, sorry, second confession of the day. I stole the Gideon's Bible out of my hotel room and gave it to him. <laughs> Sorry, Gideons. I think you put it there for that reason. You know, but, um, but it, we had a wonderful time sharing the gospel and he seemed to really understand and, and, and his name's Rick. Uh, God be merciful to Rick. And uh, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not immune to this. But when the gospel gets a hold of us, it is life transforming. And he can break these patterns that we all uh, fall into. What does a, a radically different life look like? What does a radically non-judgmental life look like? Verse 38, Jesus says, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the, with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, this is farming language, and I'm not a farmer, but it sounds pretty good. It sounds pretty good. And I think what Jesus is saying is you cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. So give the benefit of the doubt. Give your best possible interpretation. Give good thoughts to your neighbor as you as you come in contact with your fellow parishioner, your work colleague, your family members, your spouse, and it will be given back to you in greater measure. You probably, you and I probably have quite a few sins to be repenting of before we think about our neighbor. So instead of judging, pray that the Holy Spirit will empower you so that you might bless instead of condemning. Bless your neighbor. Pray for him. Pray for her. Because that's precisely what Jesus does for you. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for my brothers and my sisters here at Wellspring. I thank you for their example of uh, living gospel-centered lives. And I just pray that the gospel would make inroads into our lives with respect to this life-crushing problem we, we have with judgmentalism. Give us freedom, Lord, because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And so this path is way more life-affirming 
than what comes naturally to us. But we need your Holy Spirit's empowering presence. We ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen.